Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, let's go. Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. Bob and Kelly, we're in the Southern Bank Course studio here in beautiful Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're glad you're with us, and we've got a great show today. Going to be going down to New Orleans, uh, NOLA.com, our our main guy down there, of course. You know who that is, and uh, he'll be with us. Patrick McGee. He, I, I'm surprised he's coming back after last week. <laughs> but Patrick is coming back, and uh, in just a moment, we're going to visit with Jackson Howell, who's at the Sunbelt Media Day event in New Orleans, uh, reporting for Big Gold Nation. First, a quick reminder of Dickie's Barbecue, great place to take your family tonight for a wonderful meal and a great place to cater your next event, large or small. We really appreciate all that Dickie's Barbecue does for Southern Miss Sports and the Eagle Hour, as well as Southern Bank Core Studio. Jackson Howell reports and writes for Big Gold Nation, and he is in the Big Easy right now, color, color covering the Sunbelt Media Day event. Yesterday, it was uh, the, the Eastern Division. Today, the Western Division. And uh, Jackson, uh, we're glad to have you on our show. Thanks for coming on this afternoon. Thank you all for having me. All right, let's get to the Eastern Division uh, first. That was day one yesterday. Uh, of course, Coastal Carolina, App State, uh, considered to be the front runners there. But, you know, you look, uh, Jackson, uh, at the addition of Marshall, Old Dominion, and James Madison in that division, those three schools were 25-15 and 15 last year. So is it fair to say that the Eastern Division is the cream of the crop in football right now in the Sun Belt? I certainly believe so. You know, obviously, you're going to have App State and Coastal Carolina. You know, as you said, you know, they are at the top of that division. But you bring in James Madison, they could potentially finish in last place. And that's shocking considering how successful they've been at the FCS level. But, you know, you talk about Marshall, they're going to have some success and Old Dominion as well. The East Division, you know, it's the Sun Belt's version of the SEC West. It is just loaded with talent. But you also you also have Georgia Southern and Georgia State in there. Georgia State should have beaten Auburn last year. We documented that earlier earlier this week on this program. And a Georgia Southern team now being led by former Southern Cal head coach Clay Helton. And Georgia Southern's always uh, very competitive. Absolutely, it seems like any team can win it. You know, you know, App State and Coastal Carolina. There's like a tier above, but really, there's just eight or seven bona fide teams in that division and. You know, any given Saturday, you never know what's going to happen in the Sun Belt. 
All right, Jackson, today it's the West. I think Southern Miss uh, coach comes up at 2 o'clock. What have you heard so far about the Western Division, your observations of that part of the league? So, so far, you know, on day one, they obviously were hyping up the Eastern Division, you know, saying that was a tougher division, and it's true. But even their coaches had to show some respect to the teams in the West. So far today, the Western Division, they've claimed it's more wide open, you know, even though – the quote-unquote great teams aren't on the western side but you know they've just shown respect you know with new regional rivalries you know southern miss is going to be in the mix you know this new teams there but you know louisiana you know in recent memory they've been like the best team but really take any team on the western side and they have a legitimate chance arkansas state was two and ten last year and even they can compete it's wide open in the West. Well, isn't it a little bit of maybe a slap in the face to the Raging Cajuns? I mean, they're a pretty good football program as well the last few years. Absolutely. You know, and they'll come up. They're going to be next at one thirty. Um, they're going to be the next team to come up on media day. But, you know, everybody's kind of down on them. They lost their coach, Billy Napier. But I think they're still going to contend. And they're still the favorite, I would say. But there's a lot more competition, and the teams are a lot more closer, I would say, than the teams in the East are to App State and Coastal Carolina. Barry McKnight, earlier this week, Jackson, he's the radio voice of Troy University, said that he was a little surprised by the preseason projection that the coaches voted South Al uh, as high as they did. And I think that South Al came in second in the Western Division ahead of Troy. And, and some others. What say you about uh, the lofty projections for uh, South Al, led by former Southern Miss uh, player and uh, assistant coach Kane Womack? Among the people I've talked to at this event, and I share the same sentiment, we were all kind of taken aback that South Alabama was ranked number two. You know, I mean, you got so many programs that seem to be at a higher trajectory. You mentioned Troy. You know, there's just many teams that could be better than them. I'll be shocked, personally, if they're at the, you know, that good in the division, because I believe that's one of the teams that Southern Miss has a real chance of beating this year. And if that's the case, you know, I'm not sure they're the number two team in the conference or certainly the division. I'll be surprised to see that, but you never know. One of the one of the common threads we've been hearing from other teams in the Sun Belt is uh, the other teams have feel very strongly about Southern Miss's defense going into this season. But the continuous thread has been question marks surrounding the Southern Miss offense. Is that the continued talk that they're not sold on this Eagle offense yet? Absolutely. You know, obviously, you know, Southern Miss had their struggles at quarterback. I think y'all mentioned yesterday, 25 quarterbacks, 42 superbacks. So it's certainly <laughs> going to be a struggle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I talked to Will Hall briefly earlier. He's been impressed with the development of Ty Keys. You know, Jason Brownlee shares that same sentiment. You know, Ty Keys, you know, if he stays healthy, he's got all the tools. This year is just going to be important for his development and maintaining that continuity. But certainly, with the injury of Hayes Maples, the defense won't be as good. But luckily, they have a lot of depth at the linebacker position. You know, particularly TQ Newsome, guys like that that are going to be able to step up. It's just, will their depth hold up throughout the season? That's the big question. All right. Now, here's the big question, I think, uh, Jackson. Uh, the Sun Belt's obviously expanding from 10 to 14 teams. So what is the overall vibe that you're picking up uh, at the Media Day festivities down there in light of this uh, league expansion? It seemed pretty apparent yesterday that Commissioner Keith Gill was open to expansion. 
you know, obviously we just went from 10 to 14 this year. He mentioned maybe 15 teams, maybe 16. Heck, even 20 teams he mentioned. I'd be shocked if we go to that level anytime soon. And I still personally think it's too soon for expansion. But certainly, you know, two lanes uh, come up in conversation as a team that might potentially, you know, want to get moved up. But then again, would they be accepted with the Louisiana schools? You know, I think y'all mentioned East Carolina. That's another one. Maybe even Memphis. Those are just going to be difficult conversations to have, and I don't think anything is imminent, although Keith Gill said himself nothing is off the table. Well, that probably wouldn't happen, though, this year or next year. Is that is that fair to say? I would say certainly so. Way too early. And, and the, the thing that I worry about with overexpansion is that I think it would cheapen the product. I mean, you know, the fewer spots are available, make those spots. It's, it's like a ticket at a concert. If there's a whole bunch of tickets available, you're going to be able to buy them pretty cheaply, right? But if yeah. there's not very many, it makes it makes right. having one of those tickets more of a premium. Right. Now, Jackson, I know football is the topic of conversation down there, and, and for obvious reasons. We're big baseball guys here on the Eagle Hour. Have you heard any hubbub about uh, – about what a big baseball league this is going to be. I think it's just going to be one of the best baseball leagues in the country. I think it will certainly be comparable to the top end of Conference USA. You obviously had Georgia State last year. They hosted a Super. So there's going to be a lot of competition in the uh, Sunbelt baseball this year, You know, more so than Conference USA, I believe. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, who's the low-hanging fruit? In yeah. in uh, yeah. I mean you got South Al that's been nationally ranked. You just mentioned Georgia Southern hosted a uh, a regional. Uh, Coastal was Texas the, State was very good. Coastal Carolina was oh yeah, yeah the national champions. Louisiana <laughs> is very good, right? You know, so it's going to be really. But let's not forget Old Dominion, who was probably the scariest team that I saw play all year, and, and honestly probably should have been. There's no question you know, in the tournament, and you've got some Southern Miss blood at Louisiana Monroe with Coach Mike Federico over right. there. So you know, they're all gonna... right, Jackson. We got a minute left. Now you're the man down there uh, covering this for the Big Old Nation website. Uh, give us your take. Who wins the East? Who wins the West? How well can Southern Miss compete for the Western Division? So to answer your second part, I don't think Southern Miss is going to be instant contenders. You know, will they make strides? I think so. I think they'll lose a lot of closer games and uh, get blown out. But winners, I think, out of the West, it'll be Louisiana. And I think out of the East, it's going to be Coastal, with Coastal being the Sun Belt champions. I tend to agree. I think Coastal's a better team than Appalachian State. Coastal's one of the most exciting college football teams that you can watch over the last couple of years, Kelly. Stanley. Yeah, but App State, they're, they're a lot like Southern Miss, blue-collar, hard workers. Yeah. They never get the credit they deserve. And, um, and of course, we'll, from now on, we'll be, I will be calling them Crap State because right. they're an enemy, of course, now. And they call their stadium <laughs> yeah. The Rock, those copycats. That's bull. <laughs> All right, Jackson, we appreciate it. Is, is Heath Hinton feeding you good down there? I mean, I, I would be making some oyster runs and things like that if I were there. Hey, catering has taken plenty care of us so far. Yeah, boy, you got the hard job, don't you, Jackson? Well, look, That's right. Yeah, you know it. Conference USA, you used to get a Zagnut candy bar and a Diet Coke. That was, that was Yeah, we, we'll appreciate it, man. We may check back with you to hear what the Will Hall said, if you're cool with that. may try to get back in touch with you tomorrow. Absolutely. All right, Jackson Howell, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, from Big Gold Nation, Sun Belt Media Day in the world. We need to check back tomorrow and see just how blessed Coach Hall felt to 
be at the press conference today. Good Lord loves the Golden Eagles. We're going back to New Orleans right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Eric, thanks to Jackson Howell for giving us an update at Sunbelt Media Day down in the Crescent City. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net, a great place for you to get ready for football with the latest Southern Miss apparel. I guarantee you that you'll find it right there. On Hardy Street, across from the campus, you can also shop them online, as we tell you each and every day at Campus Bookmart. Net. Also, we remind you every day, and we're never going to quit doing that, that you can hear the uh, Eagle Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, basically every major platform, or you can just tell Alexa if she lives with you to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and she will do that for you 24-7. Patrick McGee works for NOLA.com. He, of course, lives in the Big Easy. Patrick, it's not hot in New Orleans, is it? Actually, June was like we had you know a bunch of hundred degree days, but here in July it's actually been better. I never thought I'd say I can't wait till July gets here so it cools off, cools off a little bit. Yeah, is it as humid there as it stays in Hattiesburg all the time? It's it's more the heat's worse here mainly because it's a city and all the concrete and everything just kind of reflects the heat and just it's it's just when it's hot here it's just it's just hot. Yeah. I think Jerry Reed sang about that in the 70s, didn't he? When, when it's hot, it's hot. <laughs> hot yeah. He did. All right. The Saints are in camp, right? Give us the latest. Yeah. The, obviously, the big news uh, this morning is that Michael Thomas uh, was back out there for the first time in a very long time. Uh, he missed all last year and played only seven games the, the season prior. And to have him back out there was really kind of a boost, I think, for the, the offense and the team as a whole. Uh, he wasn't full go. He was just doing individual work. But just to get him out there is a big deal. A bit. It, they had him on the pup list physically un- unable to perform uh, last week. But he went through a workout this morning and proved that he had made progress. And it's like, well, we can put you out there. So it was kind of one of those decisions they made today. Uh, that Thomas was going to practice. So, obviously, that's a huge deal when you get him back in the fold. Okay, real quickly, we asked about food at the Sunbelt Media Day. This is, uh, I'm just told what they had today. Jambalaya, gumbo, grilled chicken, bread pudding, and vegetables. So, how, so how are we not there? So, oh, so Where do we miss the boat here? So, more than a Zagnut candy bar in a Diet more Coke. than a Zagnut candy bar in a Diet Coke. <laughs> well, I, 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 now I want to know what the, the food is at the Conference USA Media. I'm sure it's all chicken tenders and, and hot dogs. Else right yeah, and, yeah hot and hot dogs, dogs. right? If right. they do serve food, right? So, how how important is that to the Saints' prospects of winning the division, uh, getting deep in the playoffs, maybe even going to the Super Bowl to have Michael Thomas back 100, percent Patrick? Well, it's you know it's huge. I mean, you're talking about a guy that caught like 130 uh, passes, not you know, a couple of seasons ago. He's he can be the guy, and this is a receiving core that's infinitely more deep and just better overall in terms of talent than they had a, a year ago. It was really tough not to have Thomas out there last year, and they were just banged up off and on the receiving core all season. You've got Now you've got uh, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Landry, Chris Olave, three guys that weren't there last season. Uh, you know, and, and you still got a lot of guys coming back, Trey Quan-Smith, uh, Marquez Callaway, and, and people forget about Deontay. used to be Deontay Harris, now his last name is, is Deontay Hardy. 
Uh, but he's a good player, you know, a good return guy. So, I mean, you've just got a lot of playmakers in the, the receiving court now. It'll be interesting to see if Jameis and company can take advantage if they're going to let him loose and let it throw a little bit more. And that's, and that's where I wanted to go with the question about Jameis and his evolution as a quarterback. From what you've heard from the coaches and so on, Patrick, where, how would you compare? I wonder how they would compare his mental and physical skill set today him being an older man compared to, you know, his rookie year and so on with, with Tampa? Well, no, I, I think, you know, you, you could just see from his body language and everything. I mean, it's just so plainly obvious that he's a different type of a quarterback, a different player than he was uh, throughout his years with Tampa. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, he, would, he could throw for 400 yards but throw four interceptions in the process. And just a little sample we got last year. Uh, shows that he's a different type of quarterback. Just when that opportunity to work around Drew Brees and and work with Sean Payton and really progress. He's always had the talent, always had the big arm. He's got the good size and everything. Uh, if he stays healthy all sixteen games a season, there's no doubt he can be you know one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. Seems like he's matured a lot as a man and an individual. Is that fair to say, Patrick? Yeah, and I, I you know. <laughs> He was a late bloomer when it comes to maturity. Uh, he's come a long way in the, over the courses, you know, the, his time in the NFL. He's he's a different guy. He's still kind of goofy. <laughs> he's always going to be James, uh, mm-hmm. but he's he's yeah, he's much more mature. Well, I think the big question mark, the big elephant in the room, though, and you just mentioned his name is Sean Payton. He's mm-hmm. not going to be there, and how does that change the New Orleans Saints? Well, in terms of offense, I, I think we're going to see a lot of things that we saw in their champagne. You got Pete Carmichael, who was who was Peyton's right hand man for all those years in, in New Orleans when it comes to that offense. So uh, I, I'm interested to see how this offense is a little bit different. Uh, but I think there's going to be a level of continuity on the offense in terms of Pete Carmichael. Now, will they open it up? Will it be even more? Will they be as conservative as they were a year ago? I don't I don't see that happening just because they have more options uh, passing the football, but uh, it, it really all comes down to, to the success of two two men. It's, it's Jameis Winston and Pete Carmichael. And can those guys really work together to build something that can put this team in playoff contention? Who's the backup quarterback, guys? Andy Dalton. Uh, they signed him. Oh. Uh, gave him a, a healthy contract. I wasn't a huge fan of them putting that much money into a backup uh, like Dalton. But you have a steady guy there can go. You know, Come in, and if he's got to go in there for three or four games, he's going to give him a chance to win football games. So yeah. uh, they've got they've got a little bit of dependability there at quarterback. The the other question mark I have is Dennis Allen, and and let me elaborate. I've always thought that Dennis Allen, who is now the Saints head coach, I've always thought that he's a really good coach. Uh, when he was the defensive coordinator with the Raiders, and then got elevated to the head coaching position when the when the stuff started hitting the fan over there and never really, in my opinion, got a long enough chance to be with the Raiders to prove what he can be as a head coach. Well, now he's a head coach of a team that has some tools. And I'll be interested to see, Patrick, how Dennis Allen navigates this in New Orleans. I I think he can be a really good coach there. Yeah, I think he's going to be a steady coach. He's going to be somebody that's not going to be very flashy. Uh, He's not going to bring the attention. You know, Sean was was known for saying some things that kind of, you know, uh, raised eyebrows, and, and Dennis Allen's not going to be that guy. Uh, he's It's probably the perfect point in his career to be a head coach again. Uh, he really built himself up as a defensive coordinator and became one of the best in the in the whole league. So this opportunity, he's had experience as a head coach when he was pretty darn young, and he's built, he's really established himself. I think I agree. He's got a chance to be a good, good coach. 
uh, if he has that staff work together well under him. And it, it's interesting. You know, you have a lot of kind of – you have co-defensive coordinators, even though Allen's going to be the guy kind of calling the shots. But, you know, can Carmichael be that guy that really kind of takes charge on offense and really runs the show? So I think that's what how, – how does that staff operate under him? is going to be interesting to watch. And in the evolution of the National Football League, it, for years, the weakest division overall was the AFC East because the Jets were terrible, the Dolphins were terrible, you know, the Bills weren't even that good for, for many years. Now that division has tightened tightened up its act a little bit. Now, is it arguable that probably, and much to the benefit of the Saints, the NFC South is probably the weakest overall division with the Falcons being no, miserable and the Par- no. Carolina Panthers not being the much NFC better. The NFC East is the weakest division. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, there's not great depth in the South because you have the, uh, the, the Falcons and the Panthers, uh, but when you have the Buccaneers and the Saints, two teams that are playoff caliber, God. I wouldn't say it's the the weakest but i mean no doubt the bottom half has a chance to be the worst yeah kelly the goat is in the south if you, do you, i know you want to erase that out of your mind but the goat's <laughs> still around kelly yeah he got his new tom brady got his new image and likeness deal from the claiborne and <laughs> shady acres retirement now, home now, i'll tell you patrick and it, it kind of it goes against the history of the national football league but i think the nfc east is the weakest division yeah, it's it's been the flakiest division, I'll say that. <laughs> it's just not uh, very it, good. It, it's just a weird one. You know, you, the Eagles and Cowboys obviously have talented rosters, but outside that, you don't expect a whole lot. No. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think in a way, uh, it's kind of hard to say. I, it, it always plays out. You never know who's going to be the, the weakest or the worst division until they line it up. Right. I mean, it's hard to project right now who's going to be that worst group this season. Right, can you hang on for another segment, Patrick? You're busy. Yeah, sure. All right, when Patrick comes back, Kelly, I'm going to ask him to give us his top three AFC teams, top three NFC teams, as we, uh, we're we just a couple of weeks away from uh, preseason football. And Patrick, if you can look it up, I'd like to know who the Saints play in preseason, what might be some early games that uh, our listeners uh, want to take in uh, early in the year. Well, it's, the it's an abbreviated schedule this year, isn't it, in preseason because they added the Yeah, I think that's game. correct. And then we've got a couple questions for you about the Sunbelt Conference football as well. Patrick McGee okay. from NOLA.com going to stick around on the Eagle Hour, and uh, we hope that you will too. want to remind you about Mobe Beignet. That is the official beignet store of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. They serve up hot and delicious beignets as you order them. They cook them when you order them. They're delicious. they got great toppings. A big selection of great coffees. They're located on Hardy Street, right across the street from the Southern Miss campus. And uh, check them out. We think you'll really enjoy it. Mo Bay Beignet. More from uh, Patrick McGee. NOLA.com right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth Street Bar Grill is a great place to enjoy lunch five days a week, just $9.95. It's a working man's lunch, too. You see a lot of working guys in there. The heart and soul of the country. I enjoy having lunch at Four Street Bar and Grill with those guys. Really nice sized portions. They too. are. For, 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 I'm telling you, man, for, for men that are out yeah. working every day, it's That's just right. a great place uh, for lunch. Patrick McGee's with us uh, from NOLA.com. Lots to get to. First, I want to, before we move on, I want to ask you one more thing about Sean Payton. I, I see an article last week. He's mentioned as the successor for Pete Carroll out in Seattle. You say you've seen that with a number of teams. No one knows where Sean Payton is going to go, but are you pretty confident he will resurface as an NFL head coach? I would think so. You know, it would have to. I think he would have to change his mind. Just everything he's hinted. Uh, you know, even when he stepped down with the Saints, he wasn't done with coaching necessarily. Yeah, I, I think he'll coach again. Uh, it's going to be in the right situation. I mean, there was one report out. Probably maybe somebody spoke to his agent or somebody. And he said he'd like to work in a, a warm, you know, climate and uh, have a good quarterback already on the roster. So, uh, you know, that maybe limits the number of places you're talking about. So I, I think anything we're talking about right now in terms of Peyton and where he's going to be coaching next is kind of pretty much very obviously speculation just because you've seen him tied to so many different teams. Uh, and Dallas has been the one everybody's talked about forever. I'm still not buying it because, I mean, in the end, no, no, no coach really wants to work for Jerry Jones just because he meddles so much. So, uh, I, I just I'm not a believer on the Cowboys, but I, I do think he'll coach again eventually. It may not be next yeah. season, but he'll coach eventually. Here's one thing that's, and I was talking to Kelly about this uh, in my office earlier today. It's just really beginning to turn me off about professional sports, and that is the, I I just. It's a personal comment here, but the ridiculous amount of money that some people are making and. And, and the latest is Kyler Murray, the Cardinals quarterback, who I think it's fair to say has been very average in the NFL. And he makes over a million dollars a game, basically, to play professional football. And then you say they even had to write some things into his contract because of his work ethic? Yeah, they, I think it was, they wanted him to do four hours of independent study uh, during game weeks and stuff like that. They worked at it in his contract. And I, would, I wouldn't call him mediocre. I would say inconsistent is the way I would describe him. He, he'll gr- be great one week. He was awesome through the first half of the season uh, this past, past year, and then he just kind of trailed off and the Cardinals kind of fizzled out. So uh, he's a guy that has a lot of potential, a great athlete, uh, has a good arm. Uh, but he's just, you know, he, it hasn't really come all together for him yet. Yep. And it, yeah, I'm the same way. They, should, It's not so much – I don't complain as much about the salaries in the NFL because they're still pretty small compared to what you see popping up in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Where do the salaries end, Patrick? I mean, it does really get to a point that it almost becomes sinful. Well, I mean, if the money's there and, and those are the guys working to earn it, they're the ones that should be getting it, you know. Uh, these owners are getting fat and happy, and they're not hurting for money in any regard. Somebody's got to make the money. It's not like they're going to start having lotteries and giving away tens of millions of dollars to fans. So, uh, you know, it, it's just that it's just the animal. That's the way it is. That's that's the type, that's where that the money's going now. I was about to say it's worse in college football if you look at uh, Kirby Smart, but that's professional football now too. Uh, on the you know the top levels of college football, he's getting he's getting a million dollars a game. I know it's yeah. it's just ridiculous. All right, yeah. Patrick, let's have some fun here. The season hasn't started, but let's let's call on your expertise here as a professional sports writer. 
top three teams in the American Football Conference are? Uh, I think Bills are the popular pick, and I'll go with them. The Chiefs, I, you know, I, they, I'm a big Patrick Mahomes guy. I, I think, you know, everything's there as long as they can kind of rebound a little bit from last year. I think he's going to be a very motivated guy this season. And the team I see really taking a step, a leap forward this year is the Chargers. Uh, that, that's, that'll be my group of three in the AFC and the Rams as the defending NFC champs. I've got to leave them there, even though I see the NFC and I just don't see a lot of, I see a lot of teams that miss, they're missing big pieces, including the Packers, uh, losing their top receiver to the Raiders. And, but you got the Rams. I'll have number one, uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, they're, they're still a very talented team. Then, I, then kind of my, my odd selection here is probably the Eagles. Uh, uh, they're my number three there in the NFC. The Philadelphia Eagles? Mm-hmm. No Saints? No Saints, Patrick? Well, the Eagles have the Saints numbers big time, so it's kind of hard to, to pick the uh, Saints over the Eagles. Well, my, mine, but I want to wait and let Duke Kelly's last. His are kind of interesting. Uh, mine uh, for the NFC would, uh, you're right, you have to say the Rams. I have to believe that the Packers will be in the mix at the end, and I think the Saints are one of the three best teams. And if I were looking at the East, I'm pretty close to you, Patrick. I think you got to go with Buffalo. You got to go with Kansas City. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw Kelly's Bengals in there because they sure. uh, did get to the Super Bowl. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they they were the hot team. They were they were a very good team to close out that last season. I expect them to be very good again. I feel this like season. I need to slap myself in the face <laughs> when I say Cincinnati in terms of a top. Well, you're player. an intelligent man, Bob. Yeah. Very... Go ahead, Kelly. Let's hear yours. My number one team in the AFC is also the Bills. You know, they added uh, some more pass rushing, you know, in the offseason. I think Buffalo is the best team right now in the AFC. I like, and I'm glad Patrick uh, mentioned him, I like the Chargers. That's an interesting pick from both of you guys. As, as the number two team. They lost a lot. If that coach of theirs doesn't do some of the idiotic stuff he did in, in going for two-point conversions when it wasn't, or going for fourth fourth down plays on fourth and 12 and things like that when it was, wasn't really necessary and just some odd stuff. They, they're a really talented team, and that uh, Herbert quarterback they've got is, uh, is really, really good. So I like the Chargers, number two, and then – Baltimore, number three. Baltimore, over your Bengals. Uh, I think it'll be close, but uh, I, th- I think the Bengals won a lot with the element of surprise last year, mm-hmm. and they're going to be good. The Bengals are going to be good, but um, I think the Ravens might be just, just a, a hair better going uh, into this season. NFC. NFC, the Rams, w- without a doubt. I'm with you guys. I like the Saints. I like the Saints. Number two. And are you ready for number three? Yeah. I'm about ready to get run out of the The Commodores. Studio. Same division. The Cowboys. Yes, I like the Dallas Cowboys. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, Patrick? Everybody loves yeah, the Cowboys uh, at the start of the year, don't they? Yeah, well, I mean, every, you know, everybody loves to talk about the Cowboys. Why is They're, that? You're right about that. Why is that? America's well, team. They, they, yeah, blah, blah, America's <laughs> team. That stuff, yeah. I mean, that went away a long time ago. I thought, I thought the Saints, for, their, for you know, a good 10-year run, they were kind of America's team. Um but yeah, I mean, I think Cowboys are going to be good. But they've always—they're always supposed to be good, and they're always either very mediocre or very good in the regular season and rough in the in the postseason. So, but yeah, that, I mean, it, I think the the NFC. I said it during the break. It's just a lot of parity. I think in the NFC, to where we could easily have surprise team come out of that come out of that conference. But the Cowboys are also in that division, as you mentioned, Bob. That's just a real mess. 
right now. So, and you play everybody in your own division twice. It's so that, that's going to help your record for sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be very good to win an NFC. But again, that AFC West, you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC West. You got Mahomes at Kansas City. Now Wilson's out there, isn't he? You got, yeah, you got Russell Wilson at Denver now. Yeah. You got Herbert with uh, San Diego slash LA, LA Chargers. Mm-hmm. You got Carr with. Uh, with mm-hmm. the Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, man, there's some great quarterbacks. Is, is Russell Wilson, Patrick, uh, over the hump? I mean, is he on the downslope of his career? Do you expect big things in Denver with him? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, it remains to be seen. I, I still think Russell has a lot left in him. He was hurt uh, for a chunk of last season, and so he, you didn't really see him at his best. But when he's healthy, he's outstanding. Uh, and I, I still think he has two or three good seasons left in him potentially. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. just have to see what he looks like in Denver. I mean, he's no Sonny Jurgensen, Bob. You know? Well, there are very few of them. <laughs> or Billy Kilmer's, I would throw in there as well. Nobody threw a tight spiral like those two guys. No, Patrick's too young to even know who we're talking about. Do you know who Billy Kilmer is, Patrick? Well, yeah, he played for the Saints and the, uh, the, the Redskins. Redskins. Yes. There we go. You're exactly right. Yeah. All right, Patrick, about a minute left. Uh, Southern Miss picked to finish fifth in the Western Division mm-hmm. of the Sun Belt. Only one player, a special teams player, makes the first two teams. The Golden Eagles not getting a lot of love from their new conference, uh, probably not deserved. Well, I, I think what you know, I, I think that right now six or seven wins is a you know reasonable expectation of Southern Miss, but it they've got to prove themselves in a new conference. It's the same thing with Old Dominion and Marshall. They didn't exactly get all the love. Uh, heck, Old Dominion was picked to finish last, and they have a lot coming back from a team that won six games. Yeah. Uh, last season, so uh, I, you know, I think Brownlee was the one that everybody kind of overlooked on, in terms of the All Conference selections. He's obviously an All Conference type receiver. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's understandable why Southern Miss wouldn't be a top half of their division uh, pick, but I mean, there's certainly that potential though. And I also think what what this the way that this vote came out, a very strong point needs to be made that this is what the coaches felt about the quality of football in Conference USA. Could be, yes. Compared to the overall right. quality of football now in the Sun Belt. I think Belt. the Sun Belt's a better conference. They do, but right. th- this vote is indicative of that. Yeah, right. there's, there's better depth, no doubt. Patrick, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody. NOLA.com, our go-to guy when it comes to the New Orleans. I can't believe he didn't pick the Saints as one of the top three teams. Well, you know, that's, you, sometimes you, when you work in the hot dog factory, you know, you... you yeah, you don't eat hot dogs. <laughs> that's right. right. Kirk McCarty and uh, Sandlin back on the mound again. Same game, same team. We'll talk about that when we come back. I want to thank Patrick McGee. That was a great conversation with Patrick. We always enjoy that, as well as Jackson Howell. And I have confirmed that Jackson's going to come back on the show tomorrow, Kelly, and update us on uh, what Coach Hall is saying, which 
He's about to take the podium at two o'clock. You can you can view and listen to Coach Hall's uh, talk on ESPN Plus. Those of you that have an ESPN Plus subscription, all of the Media Day events in New Orleans uh, from the Sun Belt are being streamed, so you can find them at ESPN Plus. But another cool day yesterday with uh, Kirk McCarty and Nick Sandlin both pitching in the same game for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they beat Boston 8-3. to McCarty pitched four innings, gave up one hit, struck out four. Sandlin came in uh, in middle relief, uh, pitched two-thirds of an inning, gave up one hit, got two outs. But how rare is that, that you know, you're going to have two kids from the same school pitching in the same game, one literally relieving the other? Well, a big Southern Miss fan, now retired from Southern Miss, and a listener to this program, Scott Dossett, had posted on social media that it gets even more weird, Bob, that one of the ref, one of the umpires last night was named Scott Barry. <laughs> so you had, you know, if that, and I didn't, I didn't check the the, uh, but but Scott's always been a straight up guy. So um, uh, Scott Dossett, I'm talking about. So you know, that makes it even more unlikely that Kirk McCarty, Nick Sandlin, and Scott Berry would all be uh, on yeah, a field at the so same strange. time. So McCarty was released by Cleveland, picked up by the Orioles, released by the Orioles, picked back up with Cleveland. How is it that if three weeks ago you're releasing a guy off your roster, he's starting for you three weeks later? I don't. I don't know all the ins and outs of of you know designated for free agency and uh, being sent down. If there's a limit as to how many times they can be sent down or claimed off waivers, all those things. I don't know how all of it works. But the fact that Kirk had that good game last night, as, as I've told you before, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he he hasn't had great outings numbers wise up until last night. But um, but he he's just so smart. He he'll figure it out. And I saw some of his post game interviews, and when they people who were there were saying that he was probably throwing harder last night than he's thrown you know his entire career. And as brief as Kirk's uh, professional career has been with the Guardians, he's already pitched at Yankee Stadium and now Fenway Park. That's pretty good memories. Yeah, and and Kirk said if he can if he can get to Wrigley Field somehow, Wrigley Field's in the National League, of course, the Cubs. Uh, that that would be the, the trifecta. But good for him and uh, and Nick Sandlin. Great phone conversation earlier this week with a, with a long and very dear friend of mine, Regal Napier, former sports director at Channel 7, former sports information director at Southern Miss. And, you know, we were talking about all the kind of great memories from Southern Miss sports. And, and we both came to this same conclusion, you know, in light of uh, all the NLI deals, NIL deals, and – and all of this hype about you know Kirby Smart making fifty million dollars a year, whatever. Forget about all of that. Embrace who Southern Miss is. Embrace the fact that we're in the Sun Belt Conference. That we've got a great baseball program. That we've got a up and coming football coach. And it's going to be a lot of excitement this year to, to play football in the Sun Belt. Embrace that and quit worrying about what the LSUs and Alabamas are doing. And even like in the NFL, I couldn't imagine being a New England Patriot fan. To me, that would be no fun because you're expected to win every single game and there's nothing to celebrate if you win. You know, be a, be a Bengal fan where, where you're, you, there's something to celebrate if you actually win a game. Mm-hmm. Or in your case now, a commander 
fan. No, don't do that. I, I would not advise you to do that. There's no fan. There's no fun being a dumpster fire fan. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty bad it's right pretty now. Pretty bad. Um, by the way, uh, former Southern Miss baseball coach Chad Kaye was in town yesterday. I uh, ran across uh, Coach Kaye and got to got to talk a little bit with him, and we got talking about the Hurston Waldrop, you know, situation, and Waldrop winding up at Florida, and and he said what a lot of people don't know, and to be fair to Hurston Waldrop was. That Florida was his team as a little kid. You know, you'll see kids in Hattiesburg with their LSU shirts or Alabama, and hopefully a lot of Southern Miss shirts. But Florida was always his team. I mean, he saw pictures of Waldrop when he was a little kid doing the Gator Chomp and, you know, with his Gator shirt on. That was always the team that Hurston Waldrop wanted to play for. Didn't get any interest from Florida, you know, going into college baseball. The Wizard of Oz, Coach Ostrander, waves the magic wand develops uh, Walter well now Florida is all of a sudden interested in him so he was going to go to Florida if he had any kind of chance to get as, with as the opposed to Tanner Hall who grew up uh, 30 miles from Baton Rouge grew up an LSU fan but realized who had made him the pitcher he was and decided to stay there's that side of the coin too but, I'll take Tanner Hall and and we got Tanner Hall mm-hmm. you know but um, th- that's always a, that's that's always a tough one I mean if you were if you were one of those kids in Hattiesburg that grew up with the LSU shirt or the Alabama shirt and got a chance to you play. You ought to it. be ashamed. Well, yeah, the parents ought to be called by to Health and Human Services, right, to exactly raise a child. Right. It's child abuse, but. Well, he's gone. Tanner Hall is yep. back, and I have total confidence that the Wizard will have a great pitching staff. I Hall. have no doubt about that either. Remember, we started last year with like 20 and, and did get hit, you know, especially hard in the draft. But um, next man up. There you go. Tomorrow on the program, the national award winning. Southern Miss cheerleaders are going to be right here on the show tomorrow. Are some cheerleaders coming? Some yes, along with Coach Carlos Stokes, are going to be here to talk about winning nationals this past weekend. I believe it was in Dallas, but right. and we're going to find out what Coach Hall had to say at uh, Sun Belt Media Day. That's tomorrow. We're really having cheerleaders in the studio tomorrow. Yeah, so now now you're going to be on the show, right? I was going to be off, but I think I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think you have. <laughs> We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.